0: Hey, how-to listeners, I'm coming to you today with some exciting news. I'd like to introduce my new co-host and your new best friend, Courtney Martin. Courtney, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Carvel. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited. First of all, it's such an honor to share this with you, Carvel. I'm oh, such a big it. fan of your work. Okay. Right, it's, true. it's true, it's right. true. I'm psyched to be in this with you and and deeply honored that Amanda Ripley, I'm, I'm filling some big shoes. I, mm-hmm. I think she's an incredible journalist totally. and I just feel really grateful that that she thought I'd be good for this. But yeah, I mean, I'm widely curious and kind of obsessively helpful sometimes to a fault. So <laughs> this is actually a perfect fit for me. I'm just yeah. one of those people who is always looking for answers to other people's questions and now i get paid to do it like how sweet is that
0: you've come to the right place along those lines tell us the listeners a little bit about your background
1: so i'm a journalist by training Mm -hmm. although kind of a weirdo journalist i've never like fully felt like i fit into the Uh, traditional journalism world. So I co-founded something called the Solutions Journalism Network Mm. um, when I was a a wee young thing with David Bornstein and Tina Rosenberg. And that was really out of my conviction that journalists should be covering solutions as rigorously and compellingly as we do problems. And that's another reason I was really interested in this podcast is kind of redefining how we think about who is an expert. And I know that's been important to you, Carvel, is like Mm -hmm. not necessarily looking at just positional authority or just someone who knows how to be part of elite networks, but like who are the actual authorities on various topics that we care about, and how do we think more like expansively about that?
0: And you've written like a ton of books, it seems like. I think, look, according to my notes, 4,578 books you've written in the last (laughs) five years. Um,
1: (laughs) I have written some books. I have like you co-authored some stuff, Mm ghost written some stuff. you know, I'm a hustler, so I have done all the things I love that it. a writer does to make money.
0: You're so uniquely qualified to give advice, and especially the part of it that it's about networking community and figuring out community um, support for one another. It seems like you know everyone on the planet, and so we're so excited to have you bring your vast knowledge and experience and just good attitude and good nature To this show that is about people helping people and i want to reiterate to our listeners nothing is going to change other than the fact that you'll get to hear both of us tackling your problems so without further ado here is the episode
1: all right hey everybody i'm courtney martin and you're listening to how to we're going to start today with a voicemail from the how to hotline Hi, my name is
2: Camila, I am in New York City, and my problem is that even though I'm really, really happy with my life career-wise, I am always in need to pursue a love, like a romantic love, and I get very frustrated, I guess. What I'm trying to say is that I would like to learn how to let go of society's pressure on women to have a partner and just be happy within
1: myself. Thank you. Camila is 34 years old. She's from Brazil, but has lived in Brooklyn for quite a few years now. And it's easy to see why Camila's really happy with her career. She has a pretty cool job. I am a chef, a private chef. I have my own business. It's called Camomile. It's
2: basically based here in New York City, but I travel for my clients, so very often... I go to places like Maine or Boston, whatever my clients need me. Right now, I'm really focused in bringing Brazilian food to America, but I can cook anything that my clients want.
1: Wow. That is so cool. Where did you learn to cook? On the streets. (laughs) Tell us
2: more. What do you mean? I didn't go to culinary school. I couldn't afford going. I just took the time to go to restaurants. And then I ended up having great mentors who helped me through my career and made me grow. And we're still very close and friends. And then I just learned. So every single opportunity that I had and I have to learn, I just take it. I am like in a sponge.
1: Before we get into your. Beautiful path around relationships. I want to focus a little bit just on you. If your best friend was sitting here with us, what would they tell us about you? She would say that I am a uh, hard work, a uh,
2: hard ass, also, and and she would say how pretty I am, just to lift me up. Of course, uh, she would say how much she admires me and how successful I am, and that makes me really really happy for sure
1: so you are this very successful woman um you know you came to new york you've created this beautiful life but you come to us with questions about your love life and kind of like do you pursue a partner do you not how do you think about dating can you give us a little bit more of a picture of the crossroads you're at around all this stuff yeah i was
2: in a relationship for a decade so i was married and then during the pandemic, we ended up separating slash getting a divorce uh I wanted to enjoy my single life because i that's what I needed I needed to explore and then, after that like a year and a half, kind of I moved to Maine due to a job opportunity and there I've met my ex-boyfriend and we were together for ten months and he moved from Maine to here. It didn't work. He didn't fit in New York City. And I feel that he used me financially because, you know, like this man, he was basically unemployed for most of the time. And rent in New York is really, really expensive. And after that relationship ended, I went through a phase that, of course, I was guarding myself. And when I felt that I was ready to dating uh that i was ready to do that again i like my standards were very high I, I mean my standards are still very high i barely found a man who would be willing
1: you know like to pay for the first date when you said you have high standards can you talk to us about what that means to you uh, my high standards are
2: I don't want someone with just a job. I want someone with a career. I want someone very ambitious. I want someone who doesn't struggle financially. You have to have your stuff together because that's how I feel about myself. And I have a beautiful apartment. And I mean, I have the Barbie dream apartment
1: to my view. So (laughs) no can is putting their stuff in here. Okay, so we're not looking for a Ken to spoil Camila's Barbie dream house, but surely there's a guy out there worthy of this badass woman, right? Question is, where the heck is he? I work
2: so much, I don't have the will to go out. So I know that it's really difficult to meet people when you are in your couch. Nobody's going to knock on my door and be like, hi, I'm Prince Charming.
1: At the heart of Camila's question is a relatable contrast. On the one hand, she feels like things are going really well. She's created a career she's proud of and a life that she loves. On the other hand, her romantic life has been frustrating. She was in a long-term relationship for a decade that ended in divorce, and the guys she's met since have been total duds. Kind of reminds me of a certain iconic character from television past. Some people are settling down, some people are settling, and some people refuse to settle.
2: For anything less than butterflies, you know, like I grew up watching Sex in the City, and Sex in the City put like a lot of pressure on my love life. Now, so fascinating,
3: amazing. fascinating,
1: amazing. That other voice you just heard is Samita Mukhopadhyay. Samita and I go way back to when we were bloggers dominating the early aughts internet at an outlet called Feministing. She's also the perfect person to give Camila some advice. She knows the New York dating scene intimately. She also has a demanding career. She ran Teen Vogue and has written a bunch of books. She's just one of those people who is unusually wise about finding romance where you least expect it and on your own terms. So whether you're dating, in a committed relationship, or happily solo, Samita will make you rethink what you need to live a whole connected life. Stay with us. We're back. Now, it would be easy to take Camila's current list of requirements and do an episode where we workshop her dating profile, but we wanted to go deeper than that to get a sense of what's really holding her back. And so we asked Camila to take us inside one of her last disappointing dates. The check came, and I was kind of like,
2: what are we going to do? And then he says, let's Dutch it, let's go Dutch. And I was like, fine. So he put his debit card on the table. And then, like, I have a good credit card, you know, like, a good one. So, like, yeah, I ended up judging him because he was paying with a debit card. Maybe it was just that day. But I am also coming from a relationship where my ex-boyfriend was financially abusing me. So
1: I cannot go through that anymore. Then there was another recent date where the guy paid for the whole check. But that caused its own problems. I don't want
2: to owe them anything. And I know that I don't, but... Inside of me there's that feeling that I do. But it was a it was great. It was a great day. Not to say that he wasn't pushing by the end of the day to go upstairs, but I was very firm and I was like, no, 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 I don't sleep on the first date.
3: There there are so many layers to this, right? Because there's the like the money piece I've heard now in two different ways, right? First you were like You noticed when this guy didn't have a credit card to pay for the dinner, but then in the other date, you were like, if he pays, then I'm going to feel right. And that's almost like those are like two sides of the same thing about how we kind of ascribe meaning to money in relationships and how we think about what makes a man a man. When I wrote the book about dating 10 years ago and this like feminist book about dating, the number one question, Courtney remembers this, that everyone asked me was like, oh, does that mean that we should split dates because like chivalry is dead and like that's sexist? And I was always like, no, (laughs) first of all you don't spend as much as I do on my hair to look like this. But (laughs) but also, to me, it was less about money and just showing some kind of investment or commitment to what was happening, right? And feeling like, for me, I have some scarcity anxieties. And so to feel secure in a relationship, I want to know that, like, somebody, whether it's financially, emotionally, can take care of me the way that I would want to take care of them. And so, you know, for you, maybe it's like you just don't want to feel like you're going to be taken advantage of in either scenario. And it's probably less about the money or what kind of credit card they have and more what it symbolized for you and what it kind of triggered for you.
1: Camila, when you hear Samita break that down, what's underneath the debit card? What's your need underneath that that's not getting met?
2: Maybe it's the immigrant side of me because I don't have a fallback here, so everything falls on me. And if I am to rent my my a new apartment or like keep my apartment and everything, I have to keep a good a good credit score. So I don't want.
1: Anything less than that. But what I hear you saying, Camila, that seems so important is that you feel a big emotional weight as an immigrant, as a woman who owns her own business, as someone who's fought very hard for your financial stability, and that you don't want someone to F with that, right? Like you don't want them to come in and mess with this thing that you've worked so hard for. So maybe part of the need is you need peace of mind that if you share a life with
3: someone, they're not going
1: to reverse all of this hard work that you've done. Yeah, I'm definitely
2: looking for someone who has stability.
3: That is something I I can relate to. That That is an anxiety that I have also had. You know, I do think like the one thing that single women are always told in New York is that their standards are too high. And that's why I like that Courtney kind of asked you again what that means, because I think Maybe you could say those are high standards or they're just non-negotiables for you and they're boundaries and they're like, you know what you need to feel safe in a relationship and those things should be non-negotiables for you. And that doesn't mean you have high standards. But I also think it's worth considering like what's underneath those non-negotiables. You know, is it that like you just actually want to be with someone who makes you feel taken care of? And so like whether that's like them buying the dinner or making you a really nice dinner or, you know making sure you get home safe or walking, you know, like whatever that might be, like identify that because I do think sometimes we get so focused on certain characteristics that are very black and white. And so when people don't fit into that, we kind of close ourselves off to possibility that could kind of come outside of that, you know, expectation.
1: So here's our first insight. Standards are not a bad thing. They're signals. They point us towards our deeper needs. The trick is to get underneath the surface, which is often more about what society has made us think we're supposed to want than what we actually yearn for.
3: Like I had always been very fixated on this picture of like what I thought my match was supposed to look like. And like I think after the pandemic and then the last couple of years, I've just had a lot of life changing Traumatic events happen, including the passing of my father and a dear friend. And what I realized is like I needed a partner who could, like really take care of me emotionally and like be kind and show up and be invested in my family and be invested in me personally, not necessarily somebody who like, we need to be on the cover of a magazine together. Um, (laughs) And I think that was like a really important perspective shift for me to both accept exactly where I was in my life and exactly what I needed emotionally. Because I think like you, Camilla, it's like, you're really successful. You don't need someone to pay your rent. You don't need the things that like our mom's generation, quote unquote, needed from these relationships. Like we don't. And I think the fact that we don't can sometimes be challenging because it opens us up to the wild, wild west. And now you're like, what are you, this guy's going Dutch. Like my dad would have never done this, you know, like, (laughs) like it just opens you up to this like whole new world. But that's the reality. The reality is like how we understand gender, how we understand masculinity, how we understand our own roles is shifting. And in order for us to feel truly rooted in that, we have to be like as authentic as possible in terms of what our actual needs are outside of like what we've kind of been taught that they need to be.
1: How does one actually feel into what is your like deep organic desire versus the societal scripts? Because it's just so hard to tell the difference.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. And we don't have a lot of narratives for women and aging outside of the context of parenting and marriage. I didn't realize how much I had internalized the belief that I had aged out of potentially meeting somebody. And so I had pretty much given up and that I would cover it up with this idea that I was like, well, I'm just too successful and I am like two together and I'm intimidating. And that's like why I haven't met anybody. I really had to ask myself with the help of a good therapist what does that actually mean because at the core of it i realized that i had kind of believed that not only was i not deserving of exactly the love that i wanted like exactly the love i wanted on my terms but that i would have to settle for something else and if i wasn't willing to settle for something else then i would just be alone but i do think a lot of women feel that way because that's what we're taught we're like pummeled this idea that if we hit a certain age and we haven't met certain benchmarks. And that's not to say that there may not be ones that you have yourself, you know, that you want to hit, that you want to have children, you want to be married by a certain age. Um, But I think we don't have a ton of guidance when things don't work on that timeline.
1: Camila, do you feel like you're on a timeline? Uh, Yeah, I really
2: like that question because I had a relationship. I was with someone for 10 years, you know, but it was during my 20s. And then I fe- I felt that I was missing out, you know, like, so I had the FOMO and now I have the FOMO to the other side. So, yeah, I do feel that I am on a timeline, but I feel that also my timeline is a little bit more flexible because I decided, for example, that I don't want to have kids. So I don't have that biological clock.
3: So you sound so much like myself. <laughs> I <Like> when i <laughs> I and you know, and I think that the best thing I did for myself was take, like, a multi-year break to, like, fully heal from the experiences that I had had because I realized that until I healed from the things that I was disappointed in, and just not just relationships, just life, like experiences that I had around, love and abandonment and scarcity and sexism and patriarchy and like all of these like big lofty ideas had created certain assumptions in my head about what I thought my life would look like, what kind of partner I would have. And when none of that was working out, I was like, I just need to pull back. <laughs> like I just need to pull back and really, really give myself space to heal. That is what I'm feeling for you a little bit is like you are still recovering from certain experiences, when you're dating from a place where you're easily triggered, like it's very hard to trust your sense of how you're going to kind of have these relationships or like pursue these relationships and make the judgment calls that are honest and authentic because you're acting from a place of fear or sadness or hurt.
1: it's kind of a radical move taking a break from dating entirely and giving yourself time to heal. I wonder, is Camila up for it? We'll hear right after the break. We're back with our expert Samita Mukupadai and Camila, a private chef in New York who wants to find a partner, but is not in love with dating. Camila, what do you think about taking a pause? How does that land with you? Lonely. Mm. Because
2: honestly, that's... uh, Sorry. I don't know. Maybe I'm too romantic. But as soon as I step out of the house and I feel good about myself, I feel good about my looks, I feel successful, I feel empowered, I feel all of these good feelings. And then I go, is it today that I'm going to find the one? you know like there's always this thing inside of me saying like it could be today it could be a it could be someone somewhere maybe today's the day and then I come home and I get super lonely I don't have anybody to talk to I don't have anybody to talk about my day to ask about my day ask to give me help everything is on my shoulders all the time so I feel very weird about it.
1: Well, first of all, you are not alone. I think what you just expressed is really brave. And there are a lot of people who feel lonely when they go home at night. And a lot of people who leave the house in the morning and think like is today the day and feel kind of tortured and conflicted about having that thought. So I first just want to say thank you for sharing it with us and being brave about it.
3: Yeah, I can relate once again. (laughs) And one of the things I did to help with that, because I struggled with it a lot, was I just had really, really deep friendships where I was, you know, I never felt alone. Like I was always texting with somebody or checking in with someone or having a lot of planned phone dates and also expressing to my community how I felt about it. Like your friends need to know that that's what you're going through. They need to know that when you come home, you feel lonely. And, you know, I do think one thing that I also had to overcome was kind of a radical acceptance that I would be fine no matter what happened, whether I met somebody, whether I didn't. And that that was a hard thing to admit because it was almost like accept, it felt like I was accepting defeat. But actually, once I accepted that I wasn't afraid of what was gonna happen and I wasn't afraid to get old and be quote unquote alone, or that I recognized that I wasn't actually alone and I had this robust community and amazing career, it was kind of once I accepted that, that I was less scared about dating because it didn't have so much weight to it. It was genuinely like, I just wanna meet somebody and if we connect, that's great, but I'm not reliant on this working out.
1: And also I hear you saying like, a deep investment in community, right? A deep investment in friendships. I mean, when I asked you, Camila, to describe yourself, Um, as if you were your best friend, your whole face lit up. Like clearly you have some really beautiful friendships in your life. And I think kind of double downing with those and to Samita's point, being really explicit with those people about what you're experiencing so they can show up for you in the way you need. And that's great practice for a a romantic partnership too, right? Samita, to learn how to identify what you need or want and say it out loud to someone, even if it's not a romantic partner, can be really hard and make you feel really vulnerable. And the more we practice that with friends, the more we can do it in romantic relationships, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the more we can identify when it is a need, right? I actually would do this thing where I would write down the anxiety and then like write down evidence of how it wasn't true. Because it was it these beliefs are so we internalize them so deeply and they and they end up playing such a bigger role than what they actually are. And, and and we live in a culture that kind of supports these anxieties, right? I mean, how many movies are there about this exact thing and the constant fear that, like, what's going to happen if you don't meet the right person in the right time?
1: <laughs> and I'm going to be 40!
3: <laughs> when?
1: <laughs> Someday!
0: In eight years.
1: But it's there! It's just sitting there like this big dead end. That is, of course, the classic movie When Harry Met Sally. And it's a good reminder that one, life benchmarks are social constructs, and two, actively putting yourself out there is vulnerable.
3: When people are like dating's fun, I'm like, that's not even possible (laughs) because, like, (laughs) nothing about feeling alienated or lonely or isolated is fun. Like, that's not, those are not fun feelings. And going into every date being like, another one that's not going to work out and then go back you know it's just it ends up being a bit of a self-fulfilling you know mission because you don't like all of these things are true at the same time and yet Camilla the thing I hear in you when you say like this could be the day is hope like you still have hope you believe that there is love out there for you and you believe that you deserve it and I feel like those are the things to hold on to
1: Now, there's one more exercise that Samita did that I think will be really useful for Camila. It started with her writing down everything she was looking for in a partner.
3: Like I took a note card and then on the other side, how I was going to feel in my body when I like met this person and a list of all of the beliefs that I had kind of internalized that were stopping me from potentially like realizing this possibility. I realized that one of the things that I had done for a long time was look for someone who was not necessarily going to meet me where I am, but like was rooted in this vision of what I thought my life was supposed to be. And so rather than being radically honest with myself about what I actually needed in this life to make this life better, I was thinking about some dream future. And so I kind of put that to the side and I was like, I want someone who fits into my life exactly how it is. I want someone who's, you know committed to family who's not going to be offended by the fact that I'm like really close to my mother and, uh, you know, take care of her and um, is going to like be fine with the fact that I have more cats than any person should have. And like just just certain things (laughs) that were like, I have to stop pretending about who I am and this is who I really am. And I made that list and, you know, it was there were certain things that I think I had always been afraid to like say that I just said. And then, you know, in terms of how I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel really comfortable in my body. I wanted to feel desirable. I wanted to feel strong. I wanted to feel loved and taken care of. Um, And I think the most valuable part of the activity was listing out the beliefs that were getting in my way. Um, And one of them was that I was really bitter about the fact that it had happened for other people and it hadn't happened for me. And the other one that was much harder to face, especially as like an outspoken feminist who's like always talking about self-love is like, I didn't believe I was worthy of love in a really mm-hmm. deeply fundamental way. And that on some way I had deserved what had happened to me in the, in my previous relationships and the disappointments I had experienced. So anyway, I did all of that. I lit a candle (laughs) that I got from a voodoo shop (laughs) for love. And then I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to go on one date a month from a dating app. I had deleted all the apps for a really long time. I met someone like three weeks after I did this whole activity. And um, (laughs) he's tall (laughs) and a dad (laughs) and a caretaker and eerily, eerily accurate of uh, like what I had kind of put out into the world. Like, I would say it's a miracle, but I'm looking back, it's like there was a lot of work I had to do and a lot of healing I had to do to get to a place where I was ready to meet somebody and be honest with myself about what I actually wanted and what I felt would make a successful relationship. Um, and I cannot tell you, how long I was single and how long I was on those apps and I have been living in New York for a long time and I am in my 40s and that is what I always tell like I'm like you have no idea where your life is going to go and you have no idea when you could potentially meet somebody like but more than anything it was like the work I had to do on myself to then position myself so that when the right person came I would be ready for them
2: yeah that's how mm-hmm. I feel right now because I go like, I feel so selfish it's been six months only, you know, like I spend most of my life with someone. So it feels very selfish to me. But on the other hand, also, as I said before, it feels very lonely. And I am the only person to judge what I really want for myself. So what if I want to have someone now?
1: Yeah, so maybe part of it is investing more energy and expanding and deepening friendships that you have and maybe also like outside of your industry because i can only imagine how like hectic being a personal chef is um so putting some energy there and then also i was thinking a little bit about just expanding the notion of romance samita i wondered if if that struck you at all because you know as someone who's been married for i think it's like i never keep track with 13 years or something and samita knows pathologically like in relationships (laughs) despite my own wisdom i find that a lot of the most amazing romance in my life is in my friendships and is in relationships outside of my marriage and you know sorry john also lots of romance there (laughs) um but like i think you know I, i wrote a piece about friendships are the last great romance because i really do think the idea of like meeting someone and having this sense of like are they as into me as I'm into them? Like there are all these sort of titillations around friendship that we don't give enough credence to because we're so focused on romantic relationships.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I will say actually that part of why I think the relationship I'm in right now is successful is because I have so many deep friendships and I have so many of my needs met in my own life that I don't feel like, pete my partner needs to be everything for me and that's been such an important lesson in me feeling my whole and fullest self because i am a really social person i like to have a lot of friends i have you know as courtney mentioned like a lot of very deep passionate i mean basically like lovers but like friends friendships and My vision for the world isn't one of like heteronormative monogamy, right? Like mine is really one where we are a community and we support each other. And so that like single mothers don't feel like single mothers and single people don't feel like single people, but we all feel part of something bigger than that. And I think in order to do that, like there are certain small decisions we need to make in our own lives and um, I've, I feel like I've been very blessed, but I've also invested a lot, like all the energy that I think a lot of my community or friends may have invested in relationships, I put in friendships and my mother who like I'm so I'm South Asian and, you know, my family is pretty conservative in terms of their views on relationships and romance. And for the, my parents, it was very challenging that I hadn't gotten married. And My mom recently said to me, she was like, you know, I think the best thing about you meeting someone now is like, whatever happens, you'll be fine. Like, she's like, you've met this wonderful person. And for my mother to say that, like an immigrant mother. (laughs) (laughs) to acknowledge and like recognize that I had built this amazing community for myself and I had built this career for myself and it wasn't going to sink or swim with a man. But then I've met somebody who like has made it better and like also like likes my friends and, you know, and is like part of that community. So it didn't feel, it didn't feel as high stakes.
1: Here are our last insights. One, the dating life can be so energy intensive. Try to look at time away as an opportunity to get clarity and figure out what you really want. Two, investing in community, you know, friends, neighbors, coworkers, it helps you get some of your needs met outside of a romantic relationship, which ultimately takes the pressure off. When you get back in the dating mix, you can approach it with a lighter heart. And three, look, the destination isn't the perfect marriage. And trust me, those don't even exist. The destination is your own holistic happiness. If you find your quote-unquote person, that's wonderful. But if you don't, you've already created a life that you love, complete with work that lights you up and people who care about you. And at the end of the day, that's way better than a white dress and a mountain of wedding debt.
3: An opportunity for you to really think about, like, what is the life that you want? What does community look like for you? And, like, what's ultimately going to make you happy in a romantic relationship. And that's a gift. Like sometimes we got that gift and sometimes we don't get that gift. And it's really easy to look at someone else's life. And, you know, I have many friends like Courtney who have been in relationships for a really long time. And I'm just like, they don't know what it's like, like for me. And like, it's like, I don't know what it's like for them either. You could be completely lonely in a relationship Absolutely. as well, you Absolutely. know, and not yeah. feel seen and not feel heard. So I think that, Sometimes it's a gift and it's the universe just telling you, like, you need to work on some other things. Like we got more in store for you. We have more in store for you than you could possibly imagine. But you you have to do the, your work of like being honest with yourself and, and also giving yourself space to heal and not judging yourself for the things you want and the things you're feeling, because that is part of that acceptance.
1: OK, I have an idea for a closing because I know you all are busy, <laughs> busy women. Camila, set the scene for us okay it's a dinner party it's not a date it's a dinner party where your beloved is there you have a amazing stable romantic partner who thinks you are the hottest thing ever and isn't threatened by your success and also is passionate about his own career and you have a bunch of friends and collaborators maybe family sitting around the table who is there What music is playing? What are the smells? What did you cook for everybody? Paint a little picture for us. Okay, so
2: definitely my parents are there. My best friend, one of uh, my dearest friend and mentors is there also. I can clearly see the location for that happening.
1: And, And what did you cook for this beautiful gathering of your beloved people?
2: Oh my god. I would definitely make a Caesar salad followed by this duck dumplings that I just put on my menu with this fermented yuca sauce. And then for main course, I would do my very first signature dish that it's a Brazilian fish stew. And then for dessert, I would ask everybody to bring dessert because making dessert is not my favorite. So since I'm not getting paid for this, everybody's going to bring something <laughs> and we're going to share. I love
1: it. And it's you asking for help in community. So that's exactly the, the lesson of this conversation. Yes. What, what um dessert does your boyfriend bring? He's going to bring
2: ice cream cake.
1: I love that. All right, Camila, you have to call up me and Samita when your boyfriend of the future brings you ice cream tall? cake because it's Just going to happen. <laughs> and he's tall. <laughs> <laughs> he's tall. So was this helpful, Camila? Any last questions for yes. Samita?
2: This was really helpful. Thank you so much. I am also looking forward to read your books.
1: Camila, We're we're holding your dream. Please just Thank know you if you're feeling lonely at night, you know, you come home in the apartment think, Samita and Courtney are with me. We're holding that dream yes. for you, too. Yes.
2: Now I can listen to this podcast whenever I feel lonely.
1: Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you both so much. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: Do you have a dream that we can hold for you? Send us a note at howto@slate.com at or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And we might just have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review. And you know, while you're at it, tell a friend. It helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John, Joel Meyer is senior editor, Rosemary Belson, Kevin Bendis, and Jabari Butler produced this episode, Merritt Jacob is senior technical director, Charles Duhigg created the show. Carvel Wallace is my faithful co host, and I'm Courtney Martin. Thanks for listening.